0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Good Good Judgment Judgment podcast. Podcast.
1: Folks, this is a podcast that's purpose is for Georgia judges or anybody else who might be interested in what goes on in the courtroom. Please understand that we are Georgia focused, meaning that we're going to focus our attention on issues that arise under Georgia law. But occasionally we will get
0: into some subjects of common interest. And we really appreciate you folks listening. And as we go to the studio audience, we ask, please hold your applause till the end. All right. Now to the studio.
1: Hi, folks, and welcome to another episode of the Good Judgment Podcast. I'm Wade Padgett. And I'm Tane Kell.
0: And today we're going to cover a topic that frequently comes up in both civil and criminal litigation.
1: That's right. It's the topic of civil and criminal contempt. And don't worry, that terminology will become a lot more confusing as we go along. Just stick around.
0: Wade's just joking. We hope that by the end of this podcast, the traditional distinction of civil versus criminal contempt will make a lot more sense.
1: You know, Tane, we talk about our pet peeves all the time. Matter of fact, we've got some episodes on pet peeves. We do. When people talk about criminal contempt and civil contempt, it doesn't that it bothers me. It's just that it's wrong. Does that
0: just grind your gears, Wade? (laughs) Wow. Did you pull that one out of, like... Family Guy. Oh. You know what grinds my gears?
1: Go ahead, man. Uh You were on a roll. So, I'm just saying that when people talk about criminal contempt and civil contempt, I mean, the cases are are real clear that they aren't, that there is no such thing as criminal contempt or civil contempt. It's kind of a misnomer. It is a misnomer. And so we're going to dispel that misnomer and help all of our awesome listeners not make that social faux pas of calling contempt actions either criminal or civil, correct?
0: Yeah. This nomenclature, fancy word, is really unnecessary and confusing. So the, The phrase civil contempt and criminal contempt are really addressing the potential punishments for the type of contempt and not what type of contempt has actually been committed. So contempt,
1: there are two kinds of contempt, but it's really much more simple than the punishment. It is how the contempt was committed. So if it was committed sort of within the sensory perception of the court— the judge, yeah, that would be direct contempt. In other words, it was in your face.
0: I mean, you've seen it happen, right?
1: So, so when the judge, I mean, when the defendant or the party or the lawyer or whoever, you know, stood up and cursed you out as the judge while you were on the bench, that would be direct contempt.
0: So let's just say hypothetically, a defendant you sentence him, and the defendant says, "F you, Judge Paget." That would not be awesome. That would not be awesome for him. That would not be awesome. He would. He might get a little pepper spray in his eye just, just for good that, measure. He
1: might not be with us much longer. He might
0: not be with us. He might be escorted from the premises. But nevertheless, that is a direct type of contempt. Correct. correct. And so, so, so let's say that happens. Okay. And, and 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 just so people you know don't get confused and they and they connect these together. That type of direct contempt is what people frequently call the criminal type of contempt right but,
1: but don't use that right no no no
0: but I'm just saying yeah, I, I yeah. don't I want them to make the switch to the appropriate one which is a direct contempt that's something that happens in your immediate presence so okay that happens in your courtroom the the fu judge pageant. then what can happen? Should I ask him which Judge Padgett he was talking about? <laughs> no, because we know he wasn't talking about my favorite Judge Padgett, Judge Alice Padgett. Okay. He was talking about you. So basically what your options are, this is much more of a summary
1: procedure. You, under 15-6-8, subsection 5. Every time a statue is an angel gets his wings. The, the limitations on penalty for that are tw- up to 20 days in jail per offense. And a thousand dollars in fine per offense. Now let's be candid with one another here. Mm-hmm. You send it somebody to life without parole; mm-hmm. they're they're really not going to worry a whole lot about those twenty days.
0: That is probably true.
1: That you're probably not going to collect that fine. Probably correct. So even if you make it consecutive, yeah, that really is not. I mean, life
0: plus twenty days. Yeah, just for good measure, and a
1: thousand dollars. And a thousand dollars. Yeah. That just really I mean the whole thing is kind of a waste of time.
0: It is. But but, but it but it also it is what you got. But those circumstances also happen during civil cases and during other proceedings sure. where somebody's not necessarily going to jail.
1: Sure. And and domestic relations cases, yep. um it, it would be whatever. That it would be pretty common. The the criminal contempt imposes an unconditional and usually rather immediate punishment for is it contumacy?
0: It, that's what it looks like. It's a pretty fancy
1: word. C-O-N-T-U-M-A-C-Y. I know it's
0: contumacious conduct, so I guess it is contumacy. I don't know. So, but um, it's a pretty cool word. You probably, yeah, you'd win Scrabble with that. Pulled that right out of somebody else's material.
1: So the other, the <laughs> other uh, type of contempt is indirect. Some people call it civil contempt, but that's just really way wrong, and it's because... Mm-hmm. You, we'll see in a minute. So, is it, so,
0: so what is it, though, Wade? Just, just describe what indirect contempt would be.
1: All right, so that's something that's not in the sensory perception of the court. Okay. So in other words, that is when someone willfully refuses to abide by your order, like, I don't know, cha- paying child support. If so it, you had a contempt action
0: like that, that is for indirect contempt. Okay, and those are the ones we deal with really frequently. I mean, yeah. that's the kind of thing that comes up frequently in domestic cases and, 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 other court cases. Right.
1: Or you could even have one. We've talked about this before. If we had discovery violations and whatnot in a civil case and mm-hmm. they were willful and you've issued an order. But so an indirect contempt is the thing that is not done in a sensory perception of the court. The direct to contempt is if you would stop the analysis there of the two kinds of contempt, mm-hmm. you're good. Mm-hmm. It's when you then get, I guess, conflated or confused. I forget, I don't ever know which one. I guess I conflate those two words. I guess you do. Wow. Um, that it's the it's the punishment part that is criminal and civil. Yes. And so if 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 people listening to us, both of them have have understood that there's a difference, that's gonna help them when they prepare orders. That's gonna help them when they get appealed. Because there will be an obvious understanding of the difference between indirect and direct and then the punishment being civil
0: or criminal. So so let's talk about the types of punishment that could be uh, meted out for this indirect uh, type of contempt.
1: All right. So, Tane, you could incarcerate somebody until they comply, correct?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, for example... If someone is arrears in child support and you make a finding that they could have paid and they're just refusing to pay, which we see frequently, I'm not getting my visitation, so I'm not paying child support until I get my visitation. You say, no, 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 that's not how that works. So I'm going to put you in jail until you come up with the $3,000 of back child support that you have refused to pay pursuant to my previous order.
1: What is the limitation on Pat? Can you leave them incarcerated for 28 years?
0: You cannot, because the, the, the limit on incarceration for those types of things is ability to pay. And ability to pay when somebody is behind bars becomes rather limited, unless they have outstanding assets, like a guy in a case that I had who drove his Maserati to court and then when he got to jail, on my incarceration order, counted out two hundred one hundred dollar bills and paid the twenty thousand dollars of contempt that he was in contempt. Or you have a mama, or you got so yeah, moms often, but mamas also end up paying that. So, what are what are some other examples of uh, of possible punishments?
1: Well, I mean, you can be creative with this, but basically, it is attempting to ensure compliance. I it's mean,
0: coercive,
1: right? It is. It is coercive. I mean, some usually that word's very negative in our world, but. It is coercive. We are trying to get you to do a thing. So, if you keep refusing to to answer the post-judgment interrogatories, mm-hmm. and it's willful, mm-hmm. you might find someone in contempt and order them incarcerated until such time as they answer all the questions.
0: So, basically, we've gone beyond the carrot, and we're now using the stick. This would be the <laughs> stick. This, exactly. this is the stick. All right. This
1: would be the stick. All
0: right.
1: So, when we're... You talk about all of the different kinds, you know, refusal to turn over personal property, um, <laughs> the 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 family pet, all the the stuff that's usually quite petty. Yeah. Um, the standard that you have to to use is whether that conduct was willful. You can't have non willful contempt. You okay, can so, have arrears.
0: So, so let me so let me go back. So we're we're still talking about indirect. Correct. So. so so the first thing that has that we have to analyze is was there already a written order exactly because
1: a verbal order is generally insufficient to hold somebody in indirect
0: contempt okay and then once we determine that there was an order and that the order has been violated then that's when we get to this next step that you're talking about, right?
1: Right. So we're talking about now, was this willful? It is entirely possible that the failure to pay the child support was because you lost your job during COVID. So you may be behind on your child support, fancy schmancy word, we call it arrears, Mm -hmm. but you may be in arrears on your obligation. But that's not willful. So you can't be in non-willful contempt. So so your order should not say, I find the defendant in contempt, but find that he or she did not have the ability
0: to pay. That's wrong. Right. That's a contradiction.
1: It is. I mean, yeah. that's a, I was going to say something funny, but I couldn't think of an immediate, like,
0: ironic situation. Oxy, oxymoron? Anyway. Um, <laughs> I can't believe you <laughs> call me names on this thing. But 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 that so 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 the situation where the the party loses the job and has an inability to pay child support is in contrast to the circumstance where a party fails to pay child support but continues to do things like pay all of their bills on time, goes on vacation, buys their girlfriend a you know ten thousand dollar engagement ring, drives a Maserati to court, which actually happened in one of my child support cases. Um, so that's the contrast there: the inability versus just the willful disobedience. Tane,
1: let me ask you what you do with this. I, I this is seriously a departure, but I think it's important. Sure. When people say I paid my rent with my money mm-hmm. I, and, and I paid it on time. So I didn't get evicted. Mm-hmm. Now, admittedly, the person wasn't just swimming in cash and to have paid the child support would have meant that person had to not pay for their place to stay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What do you do in those kind of
0: cases? So Rent and food, and I mean a minimum amount of food. Not you know, I'm going out to you know eat lobster at at the most expensive restaurants in town. Which, red lobster, yeah, I love a good red lobster. Gosh, shrimp, those biscuits, shrimp, man. scampi, oh, those biscuits. Anyway, but I digress. No, I, I you know things things used to survive. I'm probably not going to fault them if they're up on paying rent and they're up on buying groceries. I may fault them if they're up on paying all the cable subscriptions that they've got, you know, the, 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 you know, $20 here, $30 there, you know, so they can keep HBO max and, uh, you know, all of those sorts of things. Um, so I I analyze what's the money going for. Don't you, don't you put a lot
1: of weight in to sort of a, did you do your best? Did you try?
0: I do. And, and I tell people all of the time, and a question I frequently ask them was, if they've paid no child support, I say, you couldn't have paid $10. You couldn't have paid 25 You couldn't have paid 100 Um, so that's the analysis that I'm doing a good faith effort. Even if you couldn't keep up, I had a gentleman one time who paid $25 a month of his child support during a particularly difficult time. And I did not find him in contempt (laughs) because he truly was doing the best he could do. $25 was a good payment for him.
1: But now, be, to be clear, that mm-hmm. person may not be in contempt. They're in arrears. they absolutely. You can't go back and modify the order because the guy lost his job and didn't do anything about it. That's exactly right. To quote Chris Rock, he's pretty. He's like a like a poet laureate. I can't condone what you did, but I understand. Yeah, you know, and yeah. and, and and if you're kind of there, maybe you're not finding somebody in willful contempt, and it's of course indirect.
0: Yeah. So so one of the practice tips that we're going to give to the judges listening out there is if you have a, a contempt over child support and you find that there is no willful disobedience of the order. In other words, it was it was understandable why they didn't pay their child support for that period of time. What we would recommend that you do, and I do this in all of my child support cases, Me is too. I find what the amount of arrearage is as of the date that we had the hearing. Why do you do that? So that I don't have to do the math again later when this contempt comes up again or when we try to figure out how far in arrears they are in the future when when hopefully financially they get in better shape and can pay their child support.
1: It, it is possible i think to allow people to purge themselves of contempt which means you found it was willful right by saying that they have to pay this now and they have to pay that and maybe they pay some more when the child support would normally end and they pay for you know so much extra per month toward the arrearage you can absolutely do that right it's just you can't modify the order and change the obligation so the obligation continues to be two sixty four a month, right? But you have to pay an extra fifty dollars toward the arrears.
0: Yeah, and so I have had many a defendant um, ask me at a contempt to modify their child support payment, and I say, can't do that. That's a separate action which you have not yet brought <laughs> a modification. <laughs> Correct.
1: So in your outline that you have prepared for us, that folks can find at
0: Good Judge Pod dot com
1: you talked about Floyd orders do, do you do you really reference that as a Floyd order is that a sort of a term of art
0: i, I do i mean I, I at least in my jurisdiction that's something that has been thrown around for years it's you know it's sort of like you and I always joke about the feeble fester case um, <laughs> you know we yeah. I, I hate using so many case names but this has become kind of kind of a thing in my jurisdiction and and lawyers will say judge I'd like you to enter a floyd order and and, and Floyd uh, the terminology Floyd order just comes from a case called Floyd versus Floyd at 240 Georgia 551. It's a 1981 case. It's it's good modern law, but it goes back a ways. And and basically what it says is um, where there's been a finding of contempt, the court can fashion an order that basically postpones incarceration in order to coerce compliance by the payment of obligations. In other words, you can make the defendant pay the money that he or she owes directly to the sheriff in order to avoid incarceration. So what you might say, for example, is let's say that the defendant owes, and it doesn't have to be child support, but let's say they owe $90,000 to the spouse. You could order them to pay $30,000 to the sheriff on April the 1st, $30,000 to the sheriff on June the 1st, and $30,000 to the sheriff on August the 1st. Failure to make any one of those payments would cause the sheriff to know that they are to go out and arrest the individual. Now, If you're going to fashion one of these orders, and some courts use them and some courts don't, and I'll tell you why in a minute, um, you need to include certain things. Number one, what specific amounts are to be paid? Number two, what the specific date or dates are on which the payment must be made to the sheriff? Number three, specific language directing the sheriff to arrest the defendant in the event of a failure to pay exactly as directed? Number four, language directing the sheriff to whom to pay the money that he or she receives from the defendant. And number five, whatever the total purge amount is that the sheriff is directed to collect. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a couple of things. First of all, don't confuse this with the prohibition against self-directed orders that we're going to talk about in a minute. That's a different thing. But also, I'll also tell you, use these kinds of orders sparingly. It is a pain for your sheriff to collect money uh, and or keep up with these dates and go out and arrest people if they don't pay the money. Um, So you might want to check it out with your sheriff ahead of time and make sure that they're even willing to enforce these kinds of orders and collect money and disperse money and that sort of thing. But if they are, use them sparingly and they can be very effective to coerce conduct because it's amazing, as Wade said a few minutes ago, how sometimes mama Will help you come up with three thousand dollars to pay your back child support by you know ten days from today's date to avoid going into jail.
1: And you know we don't use these, and 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 because of that fine line between the self directed order and these, and we just never really have been able to manage exactly how that would work. Um, I, I there there are jurisdictions that have true child support receivers on staff you know sort of independent parties that can be the recipient of some of that but but you don't have it in your jurisdiction I don't have it in mine but I do know that some of us do and they are designated as very specific people
0: yeah so counterclaims yeah let's talk about some of that that sort of stuff so spoiler alert if you,
1: have a, if you have a contempt action filed, it's supposed to be a, a summary action, mm-hmm. and you can't file a counterclaim to a
0: contempt with a you're in contempt too. And, and I will just say this, lawyers mess this up more times than they get it right, and that's no offense to them. It's a confusing rule, but you cannot have a counterclaim for contempt to a contempt action.
1: You can file your own counter. You, you can, can file, file your it. own contempt action. And, and and we could join them for trial. That's right. But you can't have a counterclaim. You can't file it as a But all that can be waived. I that's mean, right. if we're just getting to the point, you know, if the lawyers want to sort of put that in their back pocket, they can waive that. But it is something that it's real clear. The law is crystal clear. You can't have a counterclaim to a contempt with a contempt. That's right.
0: So let's talk about a few of the jurisdictional and venue related issues. And maybe we should have started with some of that, but we needed to jump in and explain the different types of contempt first. But, but understand this. A court which issues an order always retains the power to enforce that order. And OCGA Section 9-10-916, which is the long arm statute for contempt, uh, gives the court the power to basically go out and get those people who may have violated its order uh, in order to be able to enforce that order. Yeah,
1: at some point, they were in front of you, you know, that, that, that whole international shoe and could you expect to be hailed back into that jurisdiction to answer those charges. You were in court at one point in time. You, you sort of, you, you didn't appeal or whatever. You accepted the court's judgment. You got the benefit. Now you don't want the bad. We're not going to let you just skate on that you, the, in a contempt action the court that issued the order always retains sufficient authority to enforce that order.
0: Sure. And and I'll also say this, while contempt and modification actions like contempts that can't be brought as counterclaims to other contempts, while while contempt and modifications actions are generally filed as separate actions, once again, you can combine them or join the two cases for the purpose of a trial. They just can't be filed as the same action.
1: And again, that can be waived, but it's one of those things that usually gets it gets raised at an opportune moment in the uh, litigation, right? Like, I don't know, the day of trial. Right, and so we just handle the contempt where the person's admittedly, you know, ten thousand dollars in arrears, mm-hmm. but we don't handle the modification, which is you didn't get to see your child for four years, and so we don't handle that. But mm-hmm. it ab- it absolutely is a, a a hard and fast rule. You know, Tane, there's another hard and fast rule. What's that? You can't modify the order in trying to fashion a remedy for the contempt. Seriously, for real. So versus Cason, yes. it's 281 Georgia, 296, a 2006 case. It talked about that. And I guess there might be a little bit of a fine line just to make sure we're clear. Like I said before, I find that you are $10,000 in arrears. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to order you to pay $2,000 today because your mama's got it in her pocket. Okay. And another 500 a month until it's paid in full. Mm-hmm. I'm not modifying the order. I am fashioning a remedy for the contempt.
0: That's just the methodology of payment of the arrearage. That's not a modification of... That's not not an increase in child support. Correct. Even though it's increasing the amount of money you got to pay every month, it is just fashioning a remedy. Talking about pet peeves yet again, Mm -hmm. do you have lawyers who
1: struggle with giving you the alleged arrearage amount when there's been a previous finding of contempt and you ordered them to pay an extra 500 a month toward the arrears? Yes. And then they sort of double count it?
0: Oh, all the time.
1: I mean, no. That's why, because I couldn't do that. That would be a modification order, right, right. Tane?
0: Right. Absolutely.
1: So, so basically you look at, okay, as of March 30th of 2019, I made a finding, which is why we do this, that the defendant was in a total arrears amount of $7,832. Mm-hmm. Since then, how much have they paid toward the arrears? Nothing. Great. So now I know what the arrearage is. Mm-hmm. Since then, they have owed child support of $2,000. Mm-hmm. What have they paid? They've paid, you know, half of that. I say, okay, well, then it's it's two numbers that go together. Right. We start with the 7,000-whatever number. I don't remember what I said. And And then we sort of recalculate and add to that the non-payment of current child support.
0: Right, and you're absolutely correct. A lot of times, if you're not careful and you need to listen carefully, they will give you numbers that essentially count that arrearage amount that you have assigned them to pay as an additional child support that is owed. And it's not, and it can't be double counted.
1: Judge, he was supposed to start paying $2,500 a month in 2019. Well, for what? We modified it? No, no. Because he had to pay something on the arrears, so right. twenty five hundred a month times number of months equals, and it's always wrong. And you, you really need to catch that. That that's yeah. that's not right.
0: Yeah. And if you're if you're not really a math guy like me, you just need to say, I know something isn't right about this. I need to get somebody who does math to help me figure this out,
1: <laughs> <laughs> or the lawyers who are being paid to. Yeah.
0: You, yeah. You point to them and say this math isn't right. Go back and fix it.
1: They probably didn't. They probably didn't do well in math either. That's why they became lawyers.
0: So there's another case, uh, Friday versus Friday, um, that says essentially in a contempt action, the court can set up a payment plan, uh, to allow the offender to purge himself on a contempt, but has no authority to modify. That's what we're just talking about. Correct. That's the, uh, that's the case authority, um, for, for what we're talking about.
1: Now, sometimes what you're talking about isn't just money. Some you know, obligation to pay money. Sometimes it is, a thing yeah an asset or maybe the beneficiary of your life insurance policy and now you've cashed out your life insurance policy so it's an impossibility now for you to do the thing i ordered you to do to start with or like
0: in a case where i ordered the uh defendant uh wife to give back the engagement ring uh that she had gotten to the husband because there was a, a an exchange of of different valuable assets for Uh, in the equitable division and she quote unquote lost the engagement ring rather than give it back. Yeah.
1: That's it's amazing how many people lose stuff. They get really slippery at that point in time. Mm -hmm. Um, when you're doing that, you can't write off the obligation. You, whether that be child support, whether that be whatever, you can't just ignore it. So again, we're back into that mode. You can't modify the prior order. Mm -hmm. You can fashion a remedy for the contempt. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and and the, the details on this, some of these cases that were illegal and and not the le- appropriate and inappropriate, right. I guess I should say, were on appeal are very fine lines, especially yes. when it comes to like uh, retirement accounts, insurance accounts, stuff like that.
0: Yeah, and, and I think one of the things that you have to be careful about is in trying to fashion a remedy, you can't go back and essentially modify the past order. So, for example, if the wife quote unquote, lost the engagement ring, you can't go back and then award the husband the house that you gave her in the previous order. What you might be able to do is say, well, she no longer has the ability to provide the item, which had a specific value of $10,000. So therefore, wife, you owe him the equivalent of that item, which is $10,000.
1: So if you ever get in one of these situations and there's a lot of controversy about what you can and can't do, look at this Gooch case, G-O-O-C-H versus Gooch, Gooch versus Gooch, 297, Georgia, 189. In that case, the defendant did not list the wife as a beneficiary on his retirement plan and named someone else, which made her then ineligible to receive the beneficiary designation. And so the court required the defendant to purchase an annuity in that amount. That would pay her based upon, I guess, the the projected death date or I mean projected retirement date or whatever. And anyway, that was held to be legal. But then, if you get a little wacky in that arena, you'll see a lot of cases that were um, reversed on appeal because it turned out to be deemed a modification of the prior order.
0: Yeah. So just be careful along those lines. And we have uh, in our outline listed a whole bunch of cases that you can look at that gives various examples of how you can modify or not modify uh, previous awards that you've given to parties. And I think those will be helpful to you.
1: And that can be found at goodjudgepod.com. That's right. So, Tame, when you're talking about, if you don't mind, I'm going to go backwards maybe before, and rather yeah. than reading all the cases. Sure. Um when you when you incarcerate somebody mm-hmm. for contempt mm-hmm. You, do you have built in, sort of baked into your system and a, the way to check on that person? I,
0: I do, and you have to be really careful. This is a really good, important practice tip for you as judges, because think about this. When you incarcerate someone on a contempt, it's not like when someone is incarcerated on a regular criminal case. They are not going to automatically pop back up on your criminal calendar, uh, which you you know, hopefully get from your clerk every month or so, or, or however often you get it. Um, So what you need to do and what I always do is if I incarcerate someone, uh, on a, on a contempt, on a direct contempt or an indirect contempt, um, I put them, I schedule them for a hearing in 30 days and I do it right then and there when we are incarcerating them because they might purge themselves before then and get out. And if they do, it's fine. And we don't have to have the hearing. But if they don't, 30 days is usually long enough to convince me that they don't have whatever it is that I am asking them to give, or they're real, real stubborn, one or the other, because uh, 30 days is a long, long time to spend in jail. So,
1: when you get into one of these cases and you start looking at defenses and, and all of these sorts of things, I think that this Fuller case, Fuller versus versus Fuller, 279 Georgia 805, 2005 case, it basically allows the, the trial court to consider what is referred to as an equitable defense in other words i had the kids and and so while i didn't pay child support it's because i had the kids by our informal agreement that we sort of did on a shoestring you know in the parking lot that we did a signature that i was going to have the kids and i think that that is very important because that's one of the few defenses to a contempt now one of the things you have to avoid doing is you get a contempt action filed by mom, let's say. Dad raises equal defense, you think it's legit. And then now you're going to try to set a child support obligation from mom to dad. That's a modification. You right. can't do that. That's right. Unless you've joined a separate modification for I trial. was going to
0: say, unless unless they've been smart and filed the modification, which almost never happens. <laughs> I mean, you know, dad says, I'm not in contempt because I've had the kids for the last nine months and I just didn't pay child support because I was trying to support the kids. What that means is he may have a great defense to being willful, which Mm -hmm. is what we're really talking about there. But unfortunately for him, it doesn't take away the obligation the court imposed on him to pay the child support. And so again, we can't modify it and say, okay, well, you just don't owe child support for the last nine months. Um, You know, you should have filed for a modification during that period of time.
1: I think there's some cases that say that, that that they they basically say that it is an equitable defense yeah. and that might be one of those cases that I might decline to even find arrears and say, look, we'll cross that bridge when we get to the modification department.
0: And I think you're right because I think in that circumstance, you could go back and and if there is a modification account from, you know, from the day that he had the child, the children in his, in his person. So or, or in his home, and so in that case, you wouldn't. Not only would you not be finding contempt, but you wouldn't be finding that he owed child support in yeah. that circumstance or whatever. Sorry, I didn't mean to be confusing.
1: No, that. no, no. It, because it's a fine line. I mean, it it's is. a real fine line. It is. And and some of the cases say you can't do it, and some say you can. It kind of depends on the egregiousness of the facts, and mm-hmm. and it's hard to sort of navigate this world. But I I would say that there are some cases in which you can actually in a modification action modify the obligations. I just would decline to find people in contempt if they actually had the children. Now a long weekend or having them extra weekend or, or an extra week in the summer or whatever, we're not doing that.
0: No, absolutely. But, or, or even more hours or more. Yeah, or yeah. She, she frequently doesn't pick them up till Monday morning. I, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's not what we're talking about. No. Yet. So Wade, um, let's go over just a couple of practice tips or, okay. or important points for everybody uh, before we finish up um, so so one of those I wanted to say is in a contempt action the court can modify visitation as part of its authority under 1993 but cannot change custody okay that's really important. In other words, you could give a whole bunch of makeup visits. Say, say, you know, dad missed three months of, of, of parenting time because mom was just, un, you know, willfully withholding the children. You can say, okay, dad, despite what our previous order says, I'm giving you the whole summer with the kids, even though this was supposed to be a week on week off kind of summer deal. You get the whole summer this year. That is makeup time and it is Temporary. What you can't do is say, okay, dad, you get every summer from now on. I'm going to modify the visitation order going forward, and you get all the summers until the end of time. Unless, you know, there was a, a huge and substantial amount of missed time and and you say okay from now until they're 18 you get all the summers or something like that so 1993
1: allows the judge to modify visitation sort of at any time mm-hmm. and so you could modify visitation and, and when I when i'm saying well custody is a part of visitation right so it says modify custody but you always have the right to do that on I don't think you do it on your own motion, but pretty much any time you see these people, you have the authority to modify visitation. What you you can't do is modify it as a punishment for contempt. It can't be the precursor. Now, it might be you not letting the other party see the child might be the trigger for your modification action. Right. But you can't just unilaterally go and say, because you are in contempt on not turning over the house, I'm going to... Modify your visitation. You you can't do that, right? And, and that, those two things are very very different. But 1993 nine three allows you to revisit visitation pretty much regularly, and you can do that even at your own, based upon your own decision, if the case is properly before you. Yeah. You can't start a case, but you could you could do it if the parties are properly in front of you.
0: Yeah another another practice tip uh, there's no requirement that 30 days pass oh. between the filing of the hearing uh, in a contempt action,
1: I mean, I can't tell you the number of people who say, "Judge, it hasn't been 30 days yet."
0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: what does that have to do with it? I mean, we're, sometimes we sometimes there are things we
0: need to take action of. Yeah. right over right away, and yeah. and so there's no requirement that we have to wait 30 days. Judge, we're
1: not we're not even in default. I mean, they're using words. They're they're sort of using some of the typical civil words or even domestic relations words, and trying to sort of discourage the court from making a quick determination of the issues. Yeah. And that's just
0: that ain't right. Uh, another tip: uh, contempt is not borrowed by a statute of limitations, but it may be subject to a defense of latches or laches, as uh, Wade will frequently say. Laches. He is I, very. Uh, I think Stacy. I
1: think I think Judge Stacy used to be cast and Now Hydrick started yes. the whole laches thing, and I don't know. I think it's latches.
0: Okay, well, see, Look, but that's it, funny. See, Ronald Ellington taught me latches. Uh, and anything that C. Ronald Ellington taught me in civil procedure is, is, is the word. So, folks, when you are dealing with a,
1: with a contempt action, remember if you incarcerate someone for an indirect contempt with a civil punishment uh, um, for that contempt, please set up a system to review and double-check because the jail's not going to send you the normal report because they're not in there for the normal reasons.
0: And also remember... That once you've incarcerated them and they have failed to pay purge amounts or whatever you've ordered them to do, they may actually develop over time a defense of inability to pay. In other words, if you put me in in jail for 30 days and I lost my job and I can can no longer pay because I don't have a paycheck coming in, you may need to let them out of jail because they now have an inability to pay.
1: Now, you cannot allow future imprisonment. And this is what we were talking about earlier in the Floyd uh, order situation. Mm -hmm. You can't allow the party to have the key to the jail for the other party. So it it can't be based upon an affidavit of noncompliance by a party. It would have to be an independent third party, like a child support receiver or a sheriff.
0: And you you will frequently... Have lawyers try to fly past you a proposed order that says in the event of a failure to pay in the future, uh, you know, the plaintiff will file an affidavit or plaintiff's lawyer will file an affidavit with the court and defendant will be arrested immediately upon, uh, you know, the filing of the affidavit without, you know, what we would like to call due process of law.
1: And, and in all honesty, I hate it for them, but they're going to have to file a separate contempt.
0: even yeah. if Even
1: if you have set up a purge and they fail the purge. They're going to have to file a separate contempt action. You can't continue to hold jurisdiction sort of ad nauseum with the parties being the trigger people to an order of incarceration.
0: Now, you can make an order and then file a compliance hearing or, or ask for a compliance hearing at a later date and see if they've done what you ordered them to do uh, in terms of the... Uh, of the contempt. Uh, I've done that on occasion, but we
1: don't do that. That's interesting.
0: Well, I was going to say, and and you may want to be careful about that because again, you don't want to have this case perpetually on your docket as a (laughs) contempt that's never been, you know, adjudicated, but, but you can do a compliance date uh, in the future. And I've done that on some cases before.
1: Well, folks, that's our brief, but hopefully informative in discussion of the two types of contempt hearings. They are direct and indirect, not criminal and civil. That's right. And
0: those are the ones that we encounter most often in Superior Court. That's right. So don't forget to look in our notes on goodjudgepod.com, where you'll find not only an outline of our notes for the podcast, but also Wade's incredible outline for how to try a contempt action, which also has a lot of case law cited in it as well.
1: Of course, these are all suggestions. You can look at whatever you want to look at. It's not requirements, not Russia. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in today. I'm Wade Badgett.
0: And I'm Tane Kell. Happy trade to you until you meet again
1: well folks that's all we have for another exciting and enthralling topic here on the good judgment podcast
0: thank you for listening to the good judgment podcast this project
1: was the brainchild of mr doug ashworth the executive director of icje
0: thanks and appreciation to the entire university of georgia college of law for assisting in our recording thanks
1: to mr stephen turner and his company turner up media who helped edit out some of our stupidity and awkwardness.
0: But nobody can get it all.
1: Tane and I are eternally grateful to the Council of Superior Court Judges who allow us to lead new judge orientation for the Superior Court Judges across Georgia.
0: Thanks to our NJO graduates who've been willing to help with this podcast series.
1: You know that these are our opinions, and they do not reflect the opinions of ICJE, CSCJ, the University of Georgia College of Law, or anybody else for that matter.
0: You can contact us at goodjudgepod at gmail.com for any praise, but please contact someone else with any complaints.
1: But seriously, we would love to have your feedback, both good and bad. Send any comments to goodjudgepod at gmail.com. You've been doing a great job doing that. We really
0: appreciate the help. You can also visit our website at goodjudgepod.com for outlines and more details about our podcasts.
1: Once again, I'm Wade Padgett. And I'm Tane Kell. Thanks for listening. Tane, I guess it's time to bang the gavel on this one. Any last thoughts before we
0: wrap up this session? <laughs> yes, Wade. Yes, I do have some thoughts. Just remember what REO Speedwagon taught us. You can tune a piano, but you can't tune a fish. Thanks for listening to the Good Judge Men Podcast.